Hello, everybody. We are back for another episode of Mixtag. It's your man, Jared Watson, here, alongside my girl, Tanae Purnell, and the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Keith White. Guys, how are we feeling today? How are we doing? Feels pretty good in the neighborhood. It's doing all right. Absolutely. Waiting on this rain to come if it ever comes. Absolutely, guys. We are racing a storm here, and hopefully we're going to get this episode out before the rain interferes with it. But guys, we have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about the new WWE 2K Battlegrounds video game. Kane Velasquez is released from WWE, and we're going to give you our Mount Rushmores, our wrestling Mount Rushmores. Guys, I can't wait for that. So let's get into it. Let's get into our opening contest. So the other day, WWE announced its newest video game. WWE 2K Battlegrounds is to replace WWE 2K21 this fall. The game will feature arcade-style action and over-the-top superstar designs, environments, and moves. And you know, guys, it's getting a lot of comparison with WWE All-Stars, the video game that came out in the early 2010s. So today, I want to get to you on this first. How do you feel about the new video game? What do you like? What do you don't like? Nope. That's pretty much how I feel. <laughs> I really don't think that it's it's the best i it's the best idea because I, when I think of WWE, I don't think of it being like an arcade type. I think of everything being in order and everything having a purpose. I don't mean to compare it to the NBA, but you guys know how NBA has like 2K20 and all that type stuff. I don't know if you remember, but they had a black top version. It was NBA Streets, I believe. That's what the arcade version put me in mind of. So it's like. It's a game of their company. To me, it's like a filler. It's not a real, it's not like a real, real thing. So I don't really, I per like, I'll try it. I'll give it that. I will try it, but I can't guarantee I'll try it more after one time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, the game is, like we said, compared to All-Stars, which was released a couple years ago, it's got that arcade feel. You know, I saw the commercial that they brought out. They had this alligator outside the ring with its jaws wide open, waiting for somebody to fall out. So Keith... You've played video games related to WWE for a long time. Was this a good move to go to from a realistic game to an arcade-based game, or would you rather just not have a game at all this year? As the elder statesman here, uh, I have seen a lot of different uh, WWE games. There used to be a great arcade game called WWE WrestleFest, and that was uh, found in a lot of arcades, but it was it was relatively realistic. I don't like the idea of the all arcade game like WWE Mayhem, which you can find on your uh, on your phones, right? I've tried that, and it's like Candy Crush and goofy moves, and it's just not. I mean, it's fun, but I really enjoy, and you guys really enjoy the part where you can do like have, be the GM or you know have a wrestler's career. It's almost like you are going through what the wrestlers go through, and the moves hit. You know, naturally, I don't want to play for WWE. I don't want to. I don't want it to be a Mario Brothers game or anything like that. Like, I don't need it to be over the top and goofy. I like my my realism with my pro wrestling, and I just feel like this is the wrong thing to do. It it, it waters down their product even more, and we all know that right now we're currently a little bit soured on the WWE product as well. So I just feel like they got to do something pure, and they're taking everything away that we like. Absolutely. You know what? You know, here's the thing with me. If you're going to release a game, do it the right way, make it realistic. And I would even go far back as to say, maybe bring back SmackDown versus Raw. You're having a brand split. Why not bring that game back and get a new style into it? Yeah, they've added great things to career mode, especially back in 2K19 
when they did uh, the revamped career mode. And then you have, you know, your ultimate franchise mode. I mean, they do need to bring back GM mode. That's another thing. GM mode was the best game mode ever in a WWE game. But guys, yeah, this is a an interesting move by WWE and 2K. Don't think it's going to end well in the, in the end, but uh, you know we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'll try it out. Hopefully, it's it's worth the hype that they're giving it, but we'll see. All right, guys, moving on to the next topic. Here's going to be an interesting one. WWE listed its top fifty greatest heels of all time. Rowdy Roddy Piper came in at number one, followed by Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen at number two, and Mr. McMahon at number three. And you know what, guys? Some surprises caught my eye in this list. Eric Bischoff was way down at 44 out of 50. Way down. Paul Heyman was at 35. And today's Randy Orton was at number 32. So, today, my question to you is, what do you think of the list? Do you think Randy Orton should have been higher? Do you think some of the other people should have been higher? What do you think? I personally think Randy's at a, a pretty good spot. And that's not even me speaking biasly because everybody know how I feel about Randy. I feel like Randy's at a good spot because Randy was such an off and on heel throughout his whole career. Because we know when you're a heel, you're you're all the way. But when you're a baby face, you're all the way. Unless you're like some wrestlers who are in between also. And I feel like Randy was one of those wrestlers who were in between. Because even when he was a heel, you loved to hate him. There are some wrestlers you just, you just hate as soon as you hear their name. You hate as soon as you hear their entrance music. Like, when you hear, I hear voices in my head, you can't help but to belt it out. I feel like Randy's in a good place because he played his heel roles very, very well. He continues to play them well as a wrestler. But I feel I feel like that's the that's the right that's the right place for him to be. Right. And and Keith, you know, I'm surprised uh, when I saw Eric Bischoff way down at number 44. I'm like, this there's got to be something wrong because Eric Bischoff was like the top heel in the company for a lot of years. So my question is, do you think there was some wrestlers who were snubbed? And, and who do you who do you personally put in your top 10? Just name a few. Well, I feel like Eric Bischoff could have gone a little higher, and I also feel like Paul Heyman could have gone a little higher as well. Tanae and I were talking about how grating his voice was when he would say, ladies and gentlemen, you know, my name, and then also with his over-the-top Brock Lesnar pronunciation. We also talked about Vicky Guerrero and how the, the nails on the chalkboard. Tanae, what was it that you said uh, about about she... Uh, she worked my last black nerve, I promise y'all. Anytime I heard, excuse me, the only thing that popped in my head was, girl, you need to be shot. Like, please shut up. Like, you know you got to irritate me for me to say, you worked my last black nerve, and I've been black all my life. You know you really you really irking me. That That's what it was. Oh, man. It, it's, a, it's a good list, Jared, but the way I look at it, I don't like Roddy Piper at number one. I see why they did it. But with the criteria of, of him being number one, I think you could easily put that on Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen. Those guys, you know, just riled up crowds and incited crowds. And people paid fantastic money in the 80s to see them get beat up. They drew a lot of money and, and lived a lifestyle and flaunted themselves. Piper was an antagonist, but there was that extra level of like elitism that the Horsemen projected and Flair. And at the same time, like, I feel like 1A, 1B would be Ric Flair and the Horseman and Vince McMahon, because without Vince McMahon becoming a heel, you don't get the same Stone Cold Steve Austin. And you maybe don't save the WWE as a company at the time. So I think that's huge. And so for me, 1A, 1B is going to be McMahon and Flair Horseman. I'd put Rowdy Piper at third. 
Yeah, that's that's just how it goes. I mean, I don't think Roddy Piper really needed to be the number one guy on this list. I mean, like you said, when you have the dirtiest player in the game in Ric Flair, he's going to be towards the top. And let's be honest, guys, Mr. McMahon was probably one of the best heels of all time. After, you know, the Montreal screw job with Bret Hart, he turned his boss character. Guys, the man fought God in a match. And he said, I don't like you and you don't like me, God. So the man was like the 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 best heel character you had. So he he's definitely in my top three. I would even put him near the top spot. And you know names like JBL and Edge when he was a heel and Randy Orton. You guys have those big villainous evil characters that you just love to hate. And one guy I want to mention real quick before we move on who didn't make the list at all, Booker T. Booker T. Didn't make the list, and I'm surprised because when he was having that King Booker gimmick going on. That man was hateable as can be. Him and Charmel, both. So, I mean, we're all going to have our own opinions on this list. But ultimately, Roddy Roddy Piper comes in at number one. And you know what, guys? If you want us to hear your lists and who you think should be on the list, email us at mixtagshow at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. What would your list include? What would your top three be? We're interested. Let us know. Send us an email. But guys, we're going to be moving on now to an interesting topic that our very own Keith White brought up a couple weeks ago. NXU superstar Pete Dunne says that the current restrictions could be a good trial for a WWE offseason. And here's a quote from Pete Dunne. I think this is a good trial for some of us to be able to go back to England with my family and be able to train a bit differently to how I would have if I was on the road wrestling at the time. So, Keith, I'm going to go straight to you because you mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Is this a good idea or is this kind of just like wishful thinking? Would Vince McMahon even pursue something like this? Go ahead. So the NFL has a game that people liken to a car crash and they get an off season to rehab, rest, recuperate and come back for the next season. They have a very limited shelf life as an athlete because of the game they play. Okay, well, now imagine... 320, 350 days a year of essentially getting in a car crash and never being able to recover, never being able to recuperate, having to work out and maintain your body with a list of injuries, dealing with head trauma. I heard on a podcast Taz was talking about, imagine being on the road and having an argument over the phone with your significant other and you're 2,000 miles away, right? There are so many factors that go into the idea of an offseason could be fantastic for the physical and mental well-being of the wrestlers. I'm absolutely on board for this. I don't see any other way that it should go. And to be honest, after the deaths of Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero, it should have been happening right then and there. They finally did something to address the head trauma, and they finally did something to semi-address the wellness policy. But now they need to take that extra step, and we need to have an offseason We need to make sure that we have content that we can watch that's going to be new, that can utilize the WWE editing skills of its producers and put together fresh content that doesn't involve people wrestling currently. They can heal, they can rest up, and they can come back for a whole new season. Right, and you know, Vince McMahon is not one for not doing shows. He put on a SmackDown right after 9-11. I mean, this guy will do anything to get ratings and television time. So, Tanae, do you think that WWE should put on, like he said, 
a best of series in which they put on the WWE network, by the way, a recently a, a best of NXT takeover. Why can't you play that on Wednesday night for NXT? Is that something you think they should do? Oh, most definitely. I feel like that's probably going to be one of the best investments WWE can make at a time like this, especially during this during this coronavirus that we have going on. I feel like they should go back and go reach deep in that vault and bring out some of the best of the best matches. And that goes from NXT, that goes to Raw, that goes to SmackDown, that even goes back to ECW. Like, you can really give us a whole marathon of stuff that we want to see, stuff that we've paid top dollar to see before. I feel like that is such a, a infinite way to... Like, there's no words to describe it. That's why I used infinite, because that's the best. That's the closest way I can come to it. Like, that'll be the best things at sliced bread for me to go back to being a little kid and seeing all the people I looked up to when I was younger and be like, that's why I looked up to you. That's why when I was a kid, I wanted to be a wrestler. I'm not lying to you. I really did. I'll bring my mom here right now and she'll tell you. That's why I wanted to be a wrestler. So I feel like that right now, that's what we need so we can remind ourselves why we even put so much effort into wrestling anyway. I feel like that's that's the best option at this point. It'll it'll save them, in my opinion, with the ratings, money, all that. It'll save them. And today, you actually brought up a fantastic point. This is the time now where parents and family members can introduce their kids to the product that they loved, right? You can say, okay, well, you know, gather around, children. Let me tell you this tale about Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, right? This is the time that you can get people involved by showing them what they see now and paying it forward from the old school and showing like this is where it used to be and this is how it got here now. And if we're being honest, uh, we've been talking about this. As much as we try to love WWE, their product has suffered since COVID-19. It is suffering so bad. AEW has a much more entertaining product. They put the guys in production or wrestlers that are there. That, that little tiny crowd element does everything. 10, 12 people that make noise. It reminds me of uh, UFC when they do the ultimate fighter. It's like you, you guys rallying around you around the, uh, just a small amount, but it still does something. WWE is, is struggling with COVID-19. It's not, it's not putting out the best product possible and they should. They're, they're the McDonald's right of, of pro wrestling. They're everywhere and everyone enjoys them because they're ubiquitous and they've been around so long, but the people who actually like wrestling don't like that kind of product all the time. Just like you might know McDonald's, you might stop there at 2 a.m., but you don't really enjoy it. But AEW reminds you of like five guys, right? So you got this burger joint that is coming around and people like it and the burgers smack, right? They're fantastic. They give you all the fries you can imagine and you know you're getting a quality product. That's AEW. Right, Keith. You know, we were watching this week AEW's Dynamite on Wednesday night and they were having tag team, no disqualification, no count-out matches. People getting slammed on their heads with chairs and ladders. And WWE puts somebody out there to face a jobber every other match. Like, what are they doing? Do they expect to keep up with AEW in the ratings when they're putting products out like that? I mean, you've made DVDs, countless DVDs of the best of SmackDown, the best of the Attitude Era. How about every Monday night, rewind the Attitude Era until this is all over? Bring on these old superstars, Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H, stuff like this. I can guarantee you their ratings will come up instead of seeing this crap where you put Braun Strowman up against a nobody from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, wherever. It's just not working. It's not working. And the no crowd noise, it's a bummer. It really is. 
So AEW's got it going on right now. And you know what, guys, before we move on, I want to I want to give you a little idea of what somebody was saying about the offseason. So they were saying that this, the WWE season, if this were to happen, would begin sometime in July or August, starting with a SummerSlam pay-per-view. And then they would go continue uh, until WrestleMania in March or April and then have that three or four month gap to rest up. It's like WrestleMania is the hiatus of the whole season. You know what I mean? So it's an interesting topic uh, to think about. And it's something that they should really consider right now. But if we're going to be honest, I don't see Mr. McMahon doing this. I mean, it's just his reputation, everything like that. He wants something to be broadcast. But Keith, like you said, they need to do something different to keep up with AEW right now because it's just so superior to WWE's product. All right, guys, we're going to move on to our next topic here, and it's going to be Cain Velasquez. Tanae, you and I talked about Cain Velasquez in, I believe, the second episode ever of Mixed Tag, coming in to fight Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel. But Cain Velasquez was released from WWE the other day. He was under a multi-year deal, and he hasn't appeared since that one time against Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel back in October of last year. Um, And he was reportedly released due to this COVID-19 budget cut that they're doing. So, Tanae, was this a wasted opportunity? Was it worth it even bringing him in for a match against Lesnar if you're not going to have him back? Like, what, what's going on in your head about this? No, no disrespect to WWE. Let me start out there. This is no disrespect to WWE. They are one of the best companies in America. But they waste so much talent that it's not funny. They don't realize what they have in front of them to a point where it's not funny. I can understand you putting him up against Brock Lesnar. You're trying to see how far his potential can reach. How much can he be as a wrestler? How who can he be up against as a wrestler? I understand that you've scouted him out, so you put him up against one of the best. You let him prove himself. Okay, if he didn't reach a standard, I see why you let him. Why you sat him down? If he does reach a standard, I see why you also sat him down. But I think for his last appearance to be in October of 2019 and you've had him on the back burner, and your excuse is you let him loose because of COVID-19, that's like saying you were at a house party and you went to Wawa. It don't make sense. Why are you going to leave a house party with all that good food and you're going to go to Wawa and get a sandwich? That don't make sense. You had really good potential. You just sat there and you watched it because you chose to go a different route. And like we've been saying, WWE's loss is just going to be another company's game. Because he is, he's a good wrestler. He has a lot of potential and he works on, and he's like one of those wrestlers, I believe works on themselves and making themselves better each and every time. So I feel like WWE, they can try and re-sign him, but I I guarantee he's going to be one of the ones that's like, nah, you didn't appreciate me when you had me. So I'm going to go over here where I'm appreciated. I guarantee you that's what it's going to be. Yeah, they, they built him up. I mean, they brought in Rey Mysterio to back him up. They brought in a guy to face Brock Lesnar who was basically unstoppable. That actually beat him in the UFC. I mean, I, you know, I liked the outcome of Lesnar actually getting the victory because it's kind of like revenge almost. But I don't like the fact that it ended right there. You know what I mean? Like, they need, this needed to be like a third match, winner-take-all type thing. You know what I mean? It's, it, but, and here's another question. Where does this lead with Ronda Rousey? She's just like Cain Velasquez coming over from UFC, hasn't appeared in a long time. Why aren't they releasing her? due to this COVID-19 outbreak, but you're releasing people like Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, Kurt Angle, Luke uh, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson, who come out there almost every week and fight. Keith, what, what do you think? What do you think about that? 
I think that they're not going to do anything about Rousey because she's much more of a draw than Cain Velasquez was. She has a year of sample size. My big issue with the whole Cain Velasquez situation was they had him beat in the first match and they had him beat soundly. And they could have just, why does, why do they think everyone has ADHD? Just go ahead and slow burn. This doesn't need to be at crown jewel. You can have Brock running scared for a year and then, you know, have to have him like, you know, basically like dig deep and beat the guy in a hard match. And that also gives Cain Velasquez the time to, to learn the WWE style of wrestling, which is different than any other style around. So I'm not a fan of it. And, and it doesn't make any sense in, in the, st- the stance of star power, right? How much were you paying him? How much were you paying him to just sit where you feel like it's a waste? How are you going to get rid of those guys, you know, in the cost cutting procedures when you could be getting rid of some of your behind the scenes people that don't do anything. So I'm not a big fan of it overall. It is. It's been a way. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It has Keith. And uh, like you said, they could have built this up dramatically. I mean, can you, do you remember when the rock and John Cena were fighting at WrestleMania? They built both, both of the WrestleMania matches up for months, like almost six or seven months. It was a long time. They had rap battles, singing battles. They had a whole bunch of stuff going on everything they built it and it was the biggest match of the year everyone everyone wanted to see it they could have done that same thing with lesnar and and velasquez because we thought hey maybe lesnar will get that you know beat up moment where he's lying on the ground on his back for once because this guy's done it before so was it a waste i don't think it was a waste for the money that he brought for crown jewel but if you're going to release somebody I guess it should be somebody who's sitting on the couch for the last few months. And by the way, Cain Velasquez was supposed to appear at a WWE live event in Mexico, but that was a flop because something went wrong with his knee. Um, so he didn't compete. And that was supposed to be his next match, but hasn't appeared since October. So I guess Cain Velasquez's run at WWE is over for the time being. But guys, we're going to move in to our main event here on Mixed Tag. We're going to be giving you, the listeners, our wrestling Mount Rushmores. That's right. We talked about last week how Cody made his wrestling Mount Rushmore. So we thought maybe it's a good idea for us to do ours. So I'm going to kick things off, guys. And here is my four. Starting out, we got the 16-time champion, Ric Flair. I don't think there should be any debate about this one. Ric Flair is the dirtiest player in the game. He's one of the greatest of all time, Hall of Famer for a reason. And he did it for a long time into his 50s. So I give him much respect. So he's on my list. My second wrestler is Hulk Hogan. I, can you can you get more name brand than Hulk Hogan? I mean, the man was the star of the 80s and early 90s for both companies, WWE and WCW. And he's still bringing in merchandise today. So I think Hulk Hogan is definitely on this Mount Rushmore. My third is going to be Shawn Michaels. I mean, talk about one of the best pure wrestlers to ever walk the face of the earth. The athleticism he brings to the ring, the show-stopping moments every time. They don't call him Mr. WrestleMania for nothing. So Shawn Michaels is definitely on my list. I think he's probably one of the most athletic, purely gifted superstars to ever grace a ring. And my fourth and final person to be on my Mount Rushmore is The Undertaker. Now, we can talk about this all t- all day, all night long, but when you go 20-some, 30-some and 0 at WrestleMania, you have to be considered one of the best. 
He's one of the best strikers in the game. He had one of the best punches, uppercuts, whatever you want to call it. He had one of the best character gimmicks in in the whole wrestling world. He's still intimidating today, even in his older age, and even with this uh, boneyard match that he just had with AJ Styles. Undertaker is the best you can get. Has the best moves, the the best intimidation factor. Undertaker's on my Mount Rushmore. So that's my four. Keith, you're going to be going next. Who do you have on yours? So Mount Rushmore is this debate where everyone can kind of go crazy with. And it was funny because a few weeks back, you mentioned your Mount Rushmore on uh, on Facebook Messenger, I think it was. And I was like, ooh, ooh, I don't know about that. Uh, my issue was Shawn Michaels because here is how I'm basing my Mount Rushmore. My Mount Rushmore to me is the four wrestlers that impacted wrestling on a global scale long term and i understand why you're doing it and some of your guys i think are performance based my mount rushmore is more like iconic and so for me i have hulk hogan because while hulk hogan was not uh the most technical wrestler in the world hulkamania gave us the wrestling that we have today if it wasn't for Hulkamania, we would we would have regional wrestling. We would everything would be broken up into Ring of Honor, TNA, uh, you know, uh, NWA Power, MLW. It would be broken up. Uh, Hulkamania changed everything. It changed the way we looked at wrestling and sports entertainment and pop culture. I got 16-time world champion Ric Flair on there, not only because of how many years that he did things and he and drew money and his impact in the game, but also now culturally. You ask any NBA, NFL player and rapper out there, Ric Flair is an influencer. He's an icon. So he transcends the sport as well. Uh, Next up for me, I would be Stone Cold Steve Austin because Stone Cold Steve Austin is the reason that we had the Attitude Era. And it's also the reason that WWE got out of the Attitude Area along with Mr. McMahon. He was a huge success. He drew so much money. And he also, I think, is still the all-time merchandise leader. And to this day, you know, he was featured on um, CMT with a couple of reality shows. And uh, he's got his podcast. And he's still doing things. When they had 316 Day, they bring him back whenever they need a ratings bump. It's always stone cold. So he's on there. Last but not least is a guy who I think actually might be the most recognized Uh, and successful wrestler of all time when we're just talking about wrestling and then everything else. And that is the rock because he has done so much outside of the business. He had his stint and it was memorable and so many catchphrases and good times, but he has become this amazing star who seems like he can do no wrong. He is bankable at the box office. He has TV shows that he produces He's produced movies. He has a tequila line. He has an Under Armour brand extension. I mean, there's nothing that this guy can't do and touch and turn to gold. So I think that he is all time just maybe the most uh, recognizable member of professional wrestling ever because his star right now is ridiculous. All right, today you you got a tough task of going after that list. So go ahead. Let me tell you something. Keith, I'm going to fight you. You will never guess this. So my number one is Hulk Hogan. Because for me, I just felt like Hulk Hogan, he's just, 
I just felt like Hulk Hogan was the it factor. He had the whole package. He had a look you could remember. He was, he to me, he was just always a person that stood out. He was always that person that whenever I think of wrestling, I'm going to think of Hulk. And it wasn't even because of the whole different business ventures. It's just because when I was younger, the very first face I remember seeing is Hulk Hogan. So Hulk was always that one standout person to me. My second person was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin to me, I don't know. I feel like he, I feel like he influenced my attitude for real. I can't even play because I don't think I ever got that many whoopings when I was younger because of Stone Cold. So I'm gonna say he influenced, he influenced me. We had a, we had a bond. He just didn't know it. We had a bond. My third was Ric Flair. I chose Ric Flair because uh, I didn't like him that much. I didn't like him. He was a heel. I definitely loved to hate, but I felt like he was always effective. He was the, he was, he was a wrestling god. And I feel like that was that was who he was. That was him. That was that was how he flowed in the WWE. That's how he got away with so much. So I feel like I liked him because of his cunningness and how he could maneuver in and out, how he always got away with stuff. I feel like those were his best attributes. And my number four was The Rock. Because Rock has just always, I don't know, I feel like The Rock was just always cute to me. You know, like he had the people's elbow, the eyebrow, you know, like The Rock besides his physique like the rock was just it for me because it's like you know we both had that had the hawaiian roots you know you know gotta support the family and everything we probably cousins you know hey cousin but you know i just had to the rock he was just a way for for me to see diversity that's that's what i'm looking for he was probably i say one of the most diverse wrestlers in the world from his acting in hollywood from his from him always being traditional in in a sense. So I feel like The Rock was was my number four, and he did pretty good in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. You know, The Rock bringing on that that family, the Anoa family tradition, and he started out as Rocky Maivia, and then he moved into that The Rock uh, that we all know and love today. So Keith and Tanae had the same exact four wrestlers on the list. Maybe not ranked the same, but the exact four on the list. Um, but before we go any farther, Tanae is going to give us a special women's edition of Mount Rushmore. So go ahead, Tanae. Give us that women's Mount Rushmore. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to know one thing. Feel free to fight me, okay? Because I promise you, in the end, I will win. Amen? Amen. So my number one for the ladies' division would be Lita. The reason why I say Lita is because she was probably, she, not probably, she is the best high flyer in my opinion, of all the women, no matter how long you've been in the WWE, no matter how short your career was in WWE, you always have to keep Lita in your mind in some type of way because she was she was the most fearless divas, in my opinion. She was one of the first divas I saw. And so it was like she was one of the first divas I could connect with because I was a tomboy when I was younger. And Lita, what did she come out in? She came out in a crop top and pants. She didn't come out in a little skimpy outfits like everybody else be doing. Not like some people I, I'm not going to name, though. But so when I saw Lita, I saw me J- just the, I'm just the black version. You know what I'm saying? But um, my number two was Melina. So the reason why I chose Melina is because I felt like Melina had a good building up story. I feel like that's what did it. That's what did it for me. Melina had, she didn't have, I'm not gonna say she had the best building up story, but I feel like she had one of the, one of the good ones. She was always able to hold her own between the Miz and John Morrison. And I feel like even when she did detach from them, she was still able to hold her own because when she took a break, she came right back. And who was she up against first? Well, when she took a break and when she came back, she was up against the head diva, the WWE Divas champion, Alicia Fox. 
So I felt like, and I don't know if you guys remember, but when she came back, Alicia Fox was making a, a statement. I'm better than all of you. She had just got done some match. I really can't remember what it was, but she was saying, I'm better than all of y'all. I'll always be better to y'all. Nobody can take this title away from me. All you hear is that you see Melina run down that ramp and do her finisher. Now, who in their right mind gonna be that bold after they just came off a knee injury and hit a split like that? Listen, that's how I learned how to do splits. I ain't gonna cap to y'all, but I'm gonna move on. So my number three is Beth Phoenix. To me, Beth Phoenix, I feel like Beth Phoenix is the best person for number three because her power was her strength. And she knew how to use her strength re really, really well. Beth Phoenix, to me, was a woman who declared she didn't need a man for nothing. And I feel like that was the best thing about her because she never depended on a, on a guy to help her career. And, and that's just me. She never depended on a guy to help her career. So I always felt like for her, her strength, her strength lied in her being in an independent woman and also using her strength to her advantage. So I feel like Beth Phoenix, she had she had one. She had a great run. So I feel like that's why for me, she's number three. And number four is the one and only Mickey James. <sighs> so Mickey to me was like, I don't know what it was about Mickey, but it's like she always caught my eye. Because she had times when she was so spunky and and so free and so spry, but then she had times she was that crazy girl nobody wanted to deal with. So, and I feel like that to me just made her seem like a diverse person in general. Because when she was the the nice spunky girl everybody wanted to be around, versus the crazy the crazy lady, I feel like I saw how her wrestling maneuvers changed. I don't know if anybody else noticed it, but I saw the difference. I feel like that's what drew me to her because she knew how to play different roles to her advantage. She knew if I'm crazy this time, I can do this and I can get away with it. But if I'm nicer, I can do this and I can still get away with it. So I feel like her wrestling moves never changed. It was just how she incorporated them with her story. So I feel like that's my, that's my Mount Rushmore for the women. Please, again, feel free to fight me. Jared, I was noticing, man, when she was doing the men's and the women's, you were giving her some facial expressions, and I heard Wasn't you go, he? I know wow, I saw. wow. So, Jared, Jared yeah, what do you got that, to say, Jared? I heard that teeth smack. Look, I agree with the men's more than the than the women's, and here, here's why. Here's my problem with the female. I loved the Mickey James pick. I think that's a very great pick because she could be the top heel or the top face in the women's division at any point. Here's the problem. You're putting in Melina over Trish Stratus. And Keith, I think, you can, I think you can back me up on this one, Keith. Trish Stratus is a Hall of Famer for a reason. She won numerous, numerous women's titles. She was the top diva when it came to, first of all, when she came in during the Attitude Era, she was the top sexy diva that every man wanted at the time. She is one of the most athletic women I've ever watched in the ring. She had countless great matches with Lita. And you can agree with me on that. Her and Lita's matches were some of the best you've ever seen when it came to women. So to have Melina on there, who started out as a manager for Mercury and Nitro, over somebody who just changed the women's division, I don't know if I can go along with that. But I do like your pick for Lita. I do like it for Mickey James. Beth Phoenix is arguable, but I'll take that. Um, so yeah, I just think Trish Stratus needs to be on there somewhere, and Melina needs to just go on the back burner for a sec. <laughs> Tanae, 
Tanae, though, I got I got to ask Charlotte Flair. No Charlotte. Nah, I Charlotte, was thinking nah. that too, Keith. I was nah, thinking that Charlotte. too. No, not Charlotte. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Charlotte Mm-mm. Flair is the best women's wrestler right now on any brand whatsoever. Keyword right now. Okay. You put her up against if you I I here's my thing, right? If you put any of these new kids, I'm gonna call them kids because they're young. You if you put any of these new kids up on the block against any of these OGs, I guarantee you with injuries and all, them OGs is still gonna kick their tail. When I think of Melina, when I think of Lita, when I think of Beth Phoenix, when I think of Mickey, I think of women who can hold their own. And I think of women who can hold their own and women who will never fold. Those are women who going to give they all 110% every single time. Now, now, now I'll, I'll give the little, the little girl with the blondie, I'll give blondie props, okay? She, she did her, I'll give her props, you know, props, give props where props is due. She did her job. She did it well. But I personally feel like the only reason why she was used as much as she was is because Vince knew a pretty face was always going to bring tickets outside of somebody who... Okay, so let's put Trish Stratus up against Lita, right? Who's more visually appealing? Of course, people are going to say Trish Stratus. Who had... When when they had on their wrestling gear, who was more appealing to the eye? Trish Stratus. So that's why, for me, I feel like Trish Stratus was never... I guess I never fully got the essence of Trish Stratus because I feel like people looked at her based on her looks and not who she was as a as a wrestler and as an individual. Because I feel like the minute where you all I see is Trish Stratus, all I see is Trish, all I see is Trish, all I see is Trish. It's like you got all these other wrestlers over here, all these other female wrestlers who are as equally talented. But the one thing that they don't do is use their beauty as the forefront. They put their talent first. And they put themselves first. So I feel like to me as a, and I feel like even for me as a kid who grew up with self-conscious issues, I'm not as pretty as Trish. But when I see a a girl like Lita who going to come out in some baggy pants and still rock the whole house and still do some flips, I feel like that's the best thing in the world to me. So I feel like that's why Trish, I always saw Trish as a trophy. I never really saw her as a legit thing. I also well, here, here's the thing today. I hold on, Keith. I, I got to just point this out real quick. When you have the looks and the beauty and the sex appeal like Trish Stratus did, you can have that moment where you go out there and shine. But when you can back it up in the ring, that's a whole different level. When you have the looks and the talent in the ring, you're going to be the number one diva. And that's what she was. And you can say she was a Barbie doll, but compare her to Tori Wilson, for instance. Tori Wilson was another one who was out there for looks. Did she have the best wrestling arsenal? No, not the best. Trish Stratus backed it up in the ring every time she stepped foot. And that's where I'm coming from. Because when you have a, a women's champion like Trish Stratus, a woman you could put the face on the cover of the magazines and the trucks driving down the street, it's the whole package. And that's what my thought is on Trish Stratus. Yeah, she she looked better than a lot of the other women. And Lita, I'll give Lita credit. Lita's one of the best wrestlers of all time. I'll put her up there probably close to one and two with her and Trish. But Keith, really quickly before we go on, because we have to move on, what, what do, how do you feel about today's list not including some of the, the legends of wrestling, like the fabulous Moolah or Alundra Blaze? Does that bring in a factor or is that just kind of like, oh, well, you know, we can do it without them? Well, it's tough because Alundra Blaze really never drew money in WWF, and she was a manager. There are so many people that you could put on that list. The women's is is harder because if you're just talking about all-time icons, 
it's it's a little bit more of a difficult list. I just want to say something real quick though. Let's not act like Lita needed a paper bag over her head. People love Lita and find her, uh, you know, to be very attractive. Still, she had her whole legion of fans with the men. So we really can't sit there and say that, you know, she's, you know, not appealing to the audience. So just because she dressed like, you know, kind of like tomboyish, she still had her fans. And, you know, especially for that, like that punk rocker, you know, that rock and roll set, people like that. So I don't want to, you know, disparage her and we should act like, you know, she has a mustache or something like that. I don't want to go that route. Tanae was mentioning about, uh, you know, people influencing her childhood. You know, mentioning that, I wanted to bring up real quick, I wanted to tell you about the, the Mount Rushmore for me growing up and just influencing me. And that from a young age, that was the macho man, Randy Savage, uh, was was number one. And we're, those are in no particular order. But number two uh, would have to be Bret Hart, the excellence of ex- execution. He kept me through some really lean years in the WWE. And I loved, you know, his angle, even when he became a villain with uh, the Hart Foundation and, you know, the Canada loving, you know, America hating villain. I still loved Bret Hart. I defended him all the time. And then. Next up would be The Rock, because to this day, he still is a huge influence to me as a person. I think he's pretty fantastic, and I I like how he navigates his life and and works really hard, and his drive is incredible. But last but not least, I got to say this. My number four is somebody who, to this day, I still base my enjoyment of wrestlers on, and that would be, so he's the longest lasting influence, and that would be the original human suplex machine. Taz. Taz is a huge influence to me because he was short. Uh, you know, I'm, I, in high school, I was five foot five, 150 pounds. I was small. And I was like, man, I want to be like Taz. I want to be, I know today's looking at me. I used to be tiny. I used to be a little guy. But in, in college, I ended up working out and like and getting a lot bigger. Um, but Taz was always a huge influence to me because I was like, here is a smaller guy who can hold his own. And that is the kind of you know, person I looked up to and his wrestling style is so like almost MMA. And I thought it was fantastic. So Taz is my guy and he's my big influence when it comes to pro wrestling. All right, guys. So that was our Mount Rushmore list. If you want to make your own list and send it to us, please do. You can email us at mixtagshow at gmail.com or you can go to our social media and send us a DM on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us anywhere. Let us know what you think of our list and make your own yourselves. So, guys, that's just about wraps up this week, but we're going to end the show with our weekly trivia question here on Mixed Tag. So, last week's question was, at which 2001 WWE pay-per-view did Chris Jericho become the first undisputed champion? Your choices were A, No Way Out, B, Unforgiven, C, Vengeance, or D, WrestleMania X7. And if you guessed Vengeance, you were correct. The correct answer was Vengeance 2001. And we want to give a shout out to Jeremy Jimenez for answering this week's question correctly and emailing us uh, at mixtagshow at gmail.com. Here's your shout out, Jeremy. We hope you hear this. And congratulations on having the correct answer. And guys, here's this week's question. See if you can get this one. Which WWE superstar holds the record for the longest time in a Royal Rumble match with 62 minutes and 12 seconds. Is it A, Shawn Michaels, B, Rey Mysterio, C, Roman Reigns, or D, Triple H? 
Now remember, you can email us at mixtagshow at gmail.com. Send us your answer. If you get it correct, you have a possibility of getting a shout out on the show, just like Jeremy did this week. So please email us your answers. Uh, we really appreciate it and good luck to you all. But before we end the show, guys, we got to talk about our hashtag race to mix mania. We're looking for any singer, songwriter, rap artist, DJ, anybody who we can find around here that's local to give us a 30 second snippet for Mixtag. We're going to be using it as our intro. And today, if you want to give a little bit more information about that and when these artists need to submit their entries, go ahead. Okay, everybody. So, of course, you know, hashtag race to mix mania it is up and it is moving i am posting it all the time on our social medias if you ever have questions about it please you can dm me on instagram at um at mixtag or you can hit us up at our email account mixtagshow at gmail.com remember the everything and all things need to be turned in by may 15th and may 16th there are two days to turn everything in and if you go on our instagram page you will see that I have everything posted. I have the flyer posted and I have our rules and regulations posted right on the next slide. So whatever you guys need to do, get it done and send it to us because we would love, love, love to hear it. Absolutely. This is a great opportunity for young and up and coming writers to get your voice heard live on air with us every week. Uh, and remember, it must include our name, mix tag in the song or rap or whatever you guys come up with. We're excited to hear what the submissions have in store for us. But guys, that's going to be it for this week. It was a rainy, dreary day here where we are at in uh, southern Delaware. But we hope it's nice wherever you guys are listening. Thank you so much for listening to Mixtag. From today, Keith and I, this is Mixtag. I'm Jared Watson. Thank you so much for listening. We're out. <laughs>